To the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of our God, which I would lay upon your hearts this morning, comes to us from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37, the first 14 verses. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered over them but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. So far, God's holy word. Please be seated. In the name of our Savior Jesus, who has brought us back to life in every sense of the meaning, dear friends in Christ. I'm sure you've all heard by now, CPR saves lives. Just nine days ago, in fact, the American Heart Association published an article about 28-year-old Heather Baker. Heather is a school administrator in Illinois who entered a conference room not too long ago for a routine meeting and immediately collapsed on the floor. Thankfully, the school district superintendent recognized the symptoms as cardiac arrest 
and immediately went to, went to work with chest compressions and mouth-to-mouth -mouth breathing while the school psychiatrist ran and grabbed the defibrillator off the wall. Heather was back in less than a minute. Without the quick reactions of Heather's colleagues, the doctor say that she definitely would not still be with us today. It goes without saying that if your heart stops beating for very long, well, you can't live. If you stop breathing, you can't live. Someone else comes along and carries out that act of breathing for you, literally forcing breath into you. That's CPR, that's called resuscitation taken from the Latin word meaning to revive or to raise up. And I don't want to minimize the heroic feats of those who have performed CPR and saved someone's life, but we must recognize what is taking place when someone resuscitates another individual. We say, you've saved my life. But the truth of the matter is that really all they've done is delayed your death isn't it? And so, today, as we worship in the glow of the Easter season, we are reminded that there is a breath that truly does save us from the grave, not just temporarily, not just delaying it, but saving our lives eternally. And so, as we meditate today on Ezekiel's vision of the valley of the dry bones, we consider our theme, God's breath suffocates death. It restores the body, it revives the soul, and it reveals the promise. May the Spirit breathe on us today also to establish us in the victory that is yours and mine over death through Christ. If you feel like it is difficult to be a messenger, an ambassador for the Lord in this day and age, I couldn't blame you, but you're also not the first one to feel that way. I invite you to consider the plight of the prophet Ezekiel. He had seen the spiritual decline in Israel firsthand, and then he had been sent with his people into exile in Babylon. And now he stood as God's prophet, his messenger, in a foreign country to a homesick, hopeless and scattered people. We get a sampling of the despair that Israel felt during the Babylonian exile from Psalm 137, which is rightfully called an exilic psalm. The writer laments, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? child of Israel at that time very well may have said, we're as good as dead. Our country is raised, our people, our prisoners, our religion is failing, and we're as good as dead. We too may be tempted with those thoughts, might we? The people of God are prisoners of society's expectations, religion in general, Christianity, Christianity chief among them, is in a free fall and we may be tempted also to think that we are as good as dead that the church is as good as dead last one out turn off the lights my dear friends 
No. We are not dead. The church will not die because God's breath suffocates death. Firstly, it restores the body, as we see in Ezekiel's vision. The Lord, to instill Easter hope, even well before Easter had taken place, takes the downtrodden prophet Ezekiel uh, to, it takes his message to the downtrodden prophet Ezekiel, takes that message to Israel, and takes it to us today. In order to do that, he brought Ezekiel in a vision to a valley which was, as the name suggests, full of dry bones. The Lord took Ezekiel on a long walk around that landscape to take in his surroundings. And we read in verse 2 that Ezekiel emphatically says that the bones were very many and that they were very dry. You know how many bones there are in the human body? 206. 206 bones in each one of our bodies. Now multiply that by every single person who has ever died on the face of the earth. Now we might not be able to see all of those bones because they decay, they turn into dust. But it's true nonetheless that we in this world also live in a valley of bones. Aside from taxes, they say the only certainty is death. God warned Adam and Eve in Genesis 2 that of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We tell ourselves that death is a natural part of life. It's the circle of life. But the truth is that it's not. Death was not supposed to enter creation. God never intended us to have to watch our loved ones taken off life support. He never wanted us to have to go to the morgue to identify the remains of friends and family. It was never his plan for you to shed bitter tears as you watched a casket lowered solemnly into the ground. But because Adam sinned, and through Adam all of his descendants have inherited that sin, death is certain. But it is not insurmountable as the Lord reveals to Ezekiel in this vision. We read in verses 5 and 6, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And then as Ezekiel preached this message to the dry bones of all things, suddenly those bones started to come together, covered in sinews and flesh, muscles and ligaments, just as the Lord commanded. The breath of God restored these bodies. And God will restore the bodies of the slain on the last day as well. Jesus preached in John 5, 28, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. In fact, you actually confessed this just a few minutes ago in the Nicene Creed when we said, He shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. We were confessing, as scripture teaches, that all will rise on the last day. If Christ does not return first, Death is certain. 
You might even say it's routine. Doctors and morticians may tell you that after you've seen it enough, you start to even get used to the idea of death. Furthermore, the Lord says earlier in chapter 18 of Ezekiel, the soul that sins shall die. That's everyone. You might put it off for a while. Someone might resuscitate you and bring you back to life after cardiac arrest, but death comes certainly for all who have sinned. But does this give death power over you? No, it doesn't. Not when we remember that God's breath suffocates death and restores the body, as it will on the last day. But there's a problem with Ezekiel's vision at this point in our text. We read in verse 8 once more, Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. A body without breath is not a person, is it? It's an inanimate object. If you've seen a corpse at a visitation or maybe an open casket funeral or at a hospital, you know this to be true. They may have the same hair, be wearing the same glasses, even have the same wrinkles, but the things that made them them are gone. It's the same with faith, isn't it? A person may be up and walking around, but if there is no faith in them, there is no life in them. They are the walking dead. They may laugh, cry, play cards on Saturdays, but the most important thing is missing, the breath of faith. So how does one acquire this life-giving breath of faith? How is life given to those who in Scripture are described as dead in trespasses and sins? How did you attain that precious gift? Well, it wasn't anything you did, that's for sure. We can't do anything to resuscitate ourselves any more than a dead person can resuscitate themselves or lift a finger or bat an eye. In CPR, someone gives life and breath to someone as good as dead, but when God performs his spiritual CPR, he performs it on sinful, dead, dry bones such as we who are truly well, good, and dead. And using the power of his word, he brings us back to life. He revives our soul. In order to restore the bodies in the valley of the dry bones, God commanded Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And in order to give them life and breath, God also commanded Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. We have a saying that people who are particularly persuasive can actually speak things into existence. That's just a saying, though. You can't actually speak anything into existence. The law of the conservation of matter says so. But when we're talking about God, speaking things into existence is precisely what he does. He speaks things into existence just like he did at creation. He literally spoke light, the sun, the moon, the stars, the water, the sky, the animals, the plants, you and me, all of us into existence. And it's that same 
powerful word of God that, that breathes into us eternal life, that speaks into existence through the preaching of his word, eternal life in Jesus' name. Ezekiel prophesied life to very many, very dead bones with the holy word of Jehovah, and it was so. We also, in this world, being very many and being very dead, have had life spoken and breathed into us through God's word. The content of that word is entirely centered in Christ and his victory over death. God's breath suffocates death because his word proclaims that Jesus has conquered Satan and death and hell. Romans 10 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and it's the same hearing of that word of God that brought Jesus to ask Mary that all-important question in John 10. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Sounds eerily similar to the Lord's question in verse 3 of our text, doesn't it? Son of man, can these bones live? To which Ezekiel replied, O Lord, you know. What a great answer that is. Lord, I don't know how this many bones, being so, no pun intended, bone dry as they are, how these can possibly live again. But you do know. Our physical eyes don't see Jesus' power over death. Our eyes of reason can't understand how anything can be more powerful or more universal than death. But the eyes of faith see and believe in God's unconditional love and his absolute power over death because of that universal love for sinful man. God's breath suffocates death not only because it will restore our physical bodies, but because even now it has revived our souls to believe and trust in the promise. As we read in our gospel reading for today, blessed are those who have seen, who have not seen, and yet have believed. And this promise that God's word gives to us is revealed in that word alone. Verses 12 through 14 of our text. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. The promise of the Lord reveals to his people here that his promise is one of life and bringing them home. And he did exactly that. He revived the dry bones of Israel's faith through his word and brought them, kicking and screaming all the way, to the knowledge that he alone is God. And beside him there is no other. And then he faithfully returned them to their homeland. 
Because Jesus arose that Easter morning, having paid the sacrifice for all of our sins, we also have the promise of a heavenly homeland. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we are called sojourners and pilgrims. And while we live here in this world captive to sin and death, God, even so, has promised us deliverance from all of our sorrows and fears and fulfills that promise to us through, of all things, death itself. God has breathed faith into you to trust the promise that because Jesus' tomb was empty, yours will be too. Because Jesus lives, you also will live. Do you believe that because Jesus lives, you also shall live? Do you believe that because Jesus died, you shall never die? You can answer that question confidently with a resounding yes and amen. The promise is revealed in Revelation 21 verse 4 that the day is soon coming when God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Even today, those former things are passing away. Each day brings us closer to death, a sentiment that leads most people to look back in regret, but not us. We, as Christians, by faith, look ahead in hope and comfort because God's breath suffocates death. It restores the body and will call all to be raised on the last day. It revives the soul, granting faith which trusts that we will be judged righteous on that last day for Jesus' sake. And it reveals the promise that we have a heavenly homeland which has been prepared for us from the foundations of the world. As the hymnist writes, Weeping be gone, sorrow be silent, death put asunder and Easter is bright. Cherubim sing, O grave, be open, clothe us in wonder, adorn us in light. Jesus is risen and we shall arise. Give God the glory. Alleluia. In his saving name, amen. Please rise. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey.